Let's pray. Let the good news come now, O Lord, not in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I hope that you are weathering this storm well. I hope that uh, you're healthy, and I hope that the people you care about are healthy, your neighbors, friends, loved ones, that uh, people both here in Alaska and uh, elsewhere are uh, weathering this storm as well. And I've been thinking how different a position we are in as March concludes than we were three months ago. Who could have imagined at Christmas the situation we are in right now? and what it means. Who could imagine uh, what what our situation would be in terms of being uh, indoors and uh, essential people only going out and uh, shopping with uh, three or four in the store at a time, all the things we're dealing with. Who could have imagined them three months ago or even, even a month ago? Who could have imagined all this? And I want to talk about what this means because because it's it's not the first crisis in our life and hopefully it will not be the last. But or I take that back. Hopefully it will be the last crisis, but it's not likely to be. So I want to talk about how we interpret a crisis. And the reason for that is that, is that meaning matters. The, the psychologist Viktor Frankl, he endured incredible hardships, um, during World War II. And he said, he said that a man who has a why can bear almost any how. And so I want to talk about how do we interpret these sorts of events. How do we interpret the, the crises that come our way? Because if we have a why, if we understand that they have a meaning and a purpose, then that enables us to get through them that much easier. And Christians do believe that the, that, that these things have a meaning, that there is a meaning to the events of our life, that the universe has a meaning and that history is going somewhere. But, just because history is going somewhere, just because there is a meaning to the events of our life, doesn't mean that we are necessarily going to figure it out or that when we do get a glimmer of it, we won't overinterpret it or misinterpret it. So I want to talk about how can we interpret the events of our lives, and in particular, the crises, crises like the one we're dealing with right now, the coronavirus crisis. Um, and, and the reason is, the reason is because it's important not to overinterpret or misinterpret. Last week we talked about one way that Christians sometimes overinterpret a crisis. We talked about judgment. That sometimes when, uh, somebody is suffering a misfortune, uh, people will say, well, they must have done something wrong. That God is punishing them. Maybe we feel that way ourselves. Maybe people tell it to us. That if you wouldn't have done that, then this thing wouldn't be happening. That God is punishing you. So that's one way that Christians sometimes overinterpret misfortune. But today I want to talk about another way that Christians often misinterpret or overinterpret um, a crisis. And that is to assume that it is a sign of the end, that it is the sign of the end times. And I know end times is not something we talk about a lot. There are other churches, there are other traditions, and there are certainly other pastors who talk about the end times all the time. But if we don't talk about it enough, that doesn't mean we shouldn't, uh, if we don't talk about it much, that doesn't mean we talk about it the right amount, because it could be we're not talking about it as much as we should. Jesus talked about the end times, and we're going to look at a passage where he did today. So I want to talk about the end times, and in order to do that, I want to start by just talking about what are the end times. 
It sounds like we're talking about the end of time, that, that there's a, a point at some point in the future or, you know, maybe later this afternoon where history comes to an end. That's it. Uh, game over. Um, it's like turning off the TV or it's like um, uh, finishing a movie, fade to black and that's it. That's not what Christians mean when we talk about the end times because we believe that time had a beginning, that when God created the heavens and the earth, that, that time began as well. Um, but we believe in a world without end. We, we say that the kingdom of Jesus will uh, is a kingdom um, that has no end. And so we believe that time goes on uh, forever. But we also believe that there are um, different uh, um, eras, there are different uh, periods of time in history, and there's there's two in particular um, that, that we call the, the, the present age, the, the time we're in right now, and then we say there is the age to come. So the present age right here, and then at some point, the age to come will happen. It will have actually come, and then it will be the age that is there. So right now we're in the age to come. Right now we're in the present age, and then there will be another one. So that the, that boundary is what we mean when we talk about the end times, the end of this present age and the beginning of the age to come, the time when, when um, uh, time blends into eternity. So that's what we mean when we talk about the end times. And the passage we're going to look at today is one of the places where Jesus um, talks about the end times, which he does in, in several places. The passage we're going to look at today is one of the least difficult passages um, that, that Jesus speaks about the end times in. And it is difficult. It's not impossible, but it's difficult. And there's two major reasons why it is difficult. The first is that we have a different point of view than Jesus did. We're, we're working 2,000 years later. Uh, some of the things that Jesus talked about as future have already occurred. They're in our past, but his future. Other things are out in our future, too. So we have to spend some time to decode which is which. The other thing is that Jesus doesn't give us any absolute time time frames. He doesn't say it's a particular date. He doesn't say, you know, on 1492, Columbus will sail the ocean blue. Jesus simply says, um, these things will happen first, these things will happen later. This won't happen until something else happens. So Jesus uh, gives us these relative time cues, but he doesn't give us any absolute time cues. So that makes it difficult, but we're going to work through it. We're going to unpack it. And I think when we're done, we're going to have a better idea how to understand, how to, how to interpret, how, how to interpret a crisis and to, to evaluate whether or not it's uh, related to the end times. And I think that will also uh, give us some guidance about how we can navigate this current crisis, the coronavirus crisis. So, so, um, we're going to look at chapter 21 of Luke's gospel and, um, we'll understand better how to deal with crises. <clears throat> so we begin in, um, we pick up our, our reading in, in verse five of chapter 21. Um, Jesus is at the temple. He has come into town on Sunday, and uh, on Friday he will be uh, crucified. And then the following Sunday he will he will uh, be raised from the dead. So this period of time is called Holy Week, or, or we, we remember it during our Holy Week, to remember this week between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. So uh, this is sometime during that week, and Jesus is teaching in the temple. 
and while he's um, he's in the temple, uh, some people were speaking about the temple. They said that it they, they noticed how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God. So, uh, what we know about the temple from from contemporary sources is that's true. About forty years earlier, the uh, King Herod. Um, who was the the Roman puppet king in that in that time frame? He decided he wanted to to build up the temple as kind of a monument to how wonderful a king he had been, and so he began to really um, Im- improve the temple. He doubled its size and he he uh, uh, increased its uh, ornamentation and so forth. Um, we we understand from the records and the histories that. <clears throat> That the temple was was covered, uh, its its whole surface was covered with white marble and gold plates. And if you were there, you know, and the sun was up, it was actually dazzling to look at. So it was a very beautiful temple, apparently. But Jesus isn't very impressed. He kind of shrugs and says, "Well, you know, look at it while you can, because it's not going to be there uh, much longer." He says, "As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another; all will be thrown down." Now, before we, before we go on, we need to stop and imagine the same situation happening to us. So imagine if we're in Washington DC and we're admiring the, the Lincoln Monument or the, uh, uh, the Washington Monument or the Lincoln Memorial and somebody shows up from out of town and he goes, yeah, but it's not going to last for long. We might kind of say, well, well, who are you? You know, who are you to tell us this stuff? And that's pretty much what happens in the lesson. They say, teacher, what will this be? When will this be, and what will be the sign that it's about to take place? Now, when they say teacher, they probably are not saying, you know, oh, oh, uh, teacher that I respect. They're probably saying, um, hey, Mr. Smarty Pants, that, that, that if we look at the different places in, in the biographies of Jesus where people call him teacher, it's very rarely people who are really willing to learn from Jesus. It's usually people who are challenging him, and that seems to be what's going on here. They're saying, um, they're saying you know, what's your evidence? Now, one of the reasons they may be asking for evidence is that periodically, uh, we know again from history outside the Bible, that every couple of a decade or two, somebody would show up because it's been several hundred years since God had promised a Messiah. And every so often, somebody would show up with a following and he would say, I am the Messiah. And, uh, you know, if you follow me, we'll get rid of the Romans. We'll cast out the Romans and we'll, we'll bring in the, the kingdom. We will bring in that age to come when you follow me to be the Messiah. And so maybe partly what they're doing is they're listening to this guy and they're saying, not another one. Oh my goodness. And so they're saying, what's your evidence? Why should we follow you? Because uh, in, in the past, whenever we follow somebody like you, the Romans crush the rebellion and then uh, there's a lot of collateral damage. It's not just the, the wannabe Messiah who's destroyed. It's a lot of his followers and, and even innocent bystanders. So maybe that's also what they're thinking. They're saying, they're saying, why should we listen to you? Give me some evidence. And Jesus says, beware that you're not led astray. Beware that you are not led astray by these false messiahs. For many will come in my name and say, I am he, or the time is near. They'll say, I am the Messiah. And he says, do not go after them. Don't go after any of them. You can ignore them all. From this point forward, you can ignore anybody who says that they're the Messiah. And he says, yes, sometimes messiahs do bring about wars. Um, but he says, when you hear wars and insurrections, don't be terrified. For these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. When, when a messiah shows up and says, or, or a wannabe messiah, when a, when a wannabe messiah shows up and says, I'm going to usher in this golden age, 
He says, no, the end will not follow immediately. The Messiah, you don't know it, but he's here today. You're talking to him. But when the Messiah comes, that does not mean that the end will follow immediately. He says, these things must take place first, uh, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from history. So Jesus is saying <clears throat> that there is this, uh, uh, that the, the present age is going to be characterized by these events, the, the, the nation against nation, the kingdom against kingdom, um, uh, earthquakes, various places, famines and plagues and so forth. And that's really what we would say is the true over the last uh, 2,000 years, that, that this present age is characterized by these things. If it didn't have them, it would be like the age to come, that golden age when there won't be these sources of, of pain and suffering. But this age, um, in God's wisdom, we don't understand all the reasons, but in this age, those things still happen. And Jesus has said they're going to go on happening. happening. <clears throat> Jesus also talks about portents and great signs from heaven. But um, that, that, that we might push back against that and say, well, what does that mean? But, but if you think about the, the past 2,000 years, most people throughout history have paid close attention to the night sky. They look up and they see an eclipse or they, they see a comet. They see something going on in the sky and they, they, they invest it with a lot of significance. And Jesus says those things will go on happening. People will continue to think about that. We don't think about it much in Alaska. Alaska is not a great place to watch the sky from because for half the year we really don't have much of a night sky. But, but people have historically paid attention to these things. And Jesus says that's going to go on. But he says, he says, before those things happen, before this present age, there's something that's going to happen right away, and that's going to be the sign. You ask for a sign, I'm going to tell you two things that are going to happen pretty quickly, and then that will be, um, that will be the sign that will give you confidence about everything that follows. So I'm going to tell you about two things that are going to happen right away, and what they are is the persecution of the church, and the destruction of the temple. So Jesus says these two things will be um, will be uh, uh, predictions that I make that will give you confidence about all the other predictions I make. So he says, before this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will also give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends. They will put some of you to death. You will, all, you will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your souls." Jesus says that you will be persecuted if you are part of his church. But he says uh, some people will be put to death, but even they, no, not a hair of their heads will perish. He says the worst that they will be able to do to you is to kill you. And I'm about to take care of that. I'm about to put to, I'm about to, uh, to, to reconnect you to God so that you don't have to worry about death um, uh, at any point. And what's amazing about this is the church doesn't exist. When Jesus predicts 
the persecution of the church, it doesn't really exist yet. The church won't be birthed until Pentecost, which is still two months in the future at this point. So Jesus is predicting something that won't happen for at least several months. Now, we don't know exactly how long the events following Pentecost take, but we know it. there was a brief honeymoon where people actually admired the church, and they said, look at those Christians. Now, uh, pretty quickly, uh, that turned into uh, persecution. But at least at first, there was a period where people admired the church. And Jesus says that this will happen soon enough that you'll be able to have confidence in the other things I say. The other thing Jesus, uh, the other prediction that Jesus makes, he talks about the destruction of the temple. He says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, um, know its desolation has come near. Then those in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those inside the city must leave it. And those out in the country must not enter it, for these are days of vengeance, as a fulfillment of all that is written. Woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing infants in those days. For there will be great distress on the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be taken away as captives among all nations. And, and we know again that this is something that has already occurred. It occurred in 70 AD. Uh, the, the, the people in that country, in Judea, they rose up against the, the Roman um, government, the Roman occupiers, and they fought for about four years before they were, before Jerusalem um, uh, gave up and was destroyed. There was a Roman general named Titus who carried back all kinds of treasure from Jerusalem, those gold plates and so forth. He carried it all back from Jerusalem along with thousands and thousands of slaves. So we know that this took place in 70 AD. So Jesus is looking forward uh, first to something that would have happened maybe in the late 30s and then something else that happened in 70 AD. So Jesus is talking about things that will happen in the lifetime of the people that he's speaking to. So um, he says, these two things will happen soon enough that you will be able to to understand uh, that you can trust the things that are further out. Now, about those things that are further out, he says, until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So until this period of time when God's golden age has not yet occurred. So the time of the Gentiles, he says, he says, uh, and when it concludes, yes, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, Distress among the nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. So Jesus is saying, everywhere you look, whether you look up in the sky, you see the sun, the moon, the stars, whether you look on the land, whether you look on the earth, every place you see, there will be signs of the end. He says, people will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Jesus says, there is going to be nothing at all that is subtle about the end times. He says, no one's going to be confused. No one's going to be debating what does this mean because it will be perfectly clear to everybody when that happens. He says, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. He's referring to the the Messiah, the way that um, the prophet uh, Daniel had described him in chapter 7 of um, his book of prophecy. The Son of Man is this messianic figure, this Messiah, who would come in order to bring about this this new age on earth. And he says, when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And then Jesus tells them a parable. He says, look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourself and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words 
will not pass away. So what is he saying here? He's saying, you know how spring happens. You, you look outside and there's little buds on the trees and you know that summer is coming. And then suddenly they're in leaf and then suddenly it is summer. He says, he says that as soon as you see the leaves, as soon as you see that, you know what's going to happen later on. He says it's the same way here. As soon as you see the persecution of the church, as soon as you see the destruction of temple, the, the temple. So just in the next 30 years, you will see enough to be able to predict what I've said. You, you'll be able to understand and believe my predictions about the next 2,000 years and counting. So Jesus says that, that, uh, the same way you can look at a tree, you can also look at the future. So he says, um, some of you will still be here. This generation will not pass away. There will be still people alive in 30 years who can remember this conversation I had. So what should you do during this time? Well, this is what he says you should do during, during, um, <clears throat> during that time. He says, he says, when the um, end comes, you should stand up. But in the meantime, if you're not standing up uh, until the end comes, what are you doing? Well, you're, you're hunkering down. So he says, um, what you should do during this interme- intervening time, this, this 2000 years and counting that we're part of right now, he says, be on guard. So your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. Jesus says there won't really be any, any warning for the end times. He says that they will come on us like a thief in the night. Or here, he says, like a, like a, a, a trap. Um, uh, to, that, that suddenly is triggered. So he says that we won't get a sign, but once it does happen, it will be perfectly clear to everybody what's going on. So he says, be alert. Don't weigh your hearts down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. Don't worry about all these problems in the meantime. Don't worry about the, the nation rising against nation and so forth. He says, don't worry about that and don't self-medicate. He says that there will be, you know, the dissipation and drunkenness. He says, now Jesus doesn't mind wine and, and so forth. We know that some of his critics says Jesus liked wine too much. They said he was a wine guzzler. Jesus is not saying there's anything wrong with wine. He's saying what's wrong is using it to self-medicate, to dull your senses, uh, to get rid of the anxiety. He says you don't have to do that because if you are alert, he says be alert at all times, praying you may have the strength to uh, escape all these things. He says, God wants to help you. So be alert. And when these things come, when you are worried, when you have anxiety about coronavirus or about any other crisis, he says, stay alert and pray to God for the strength to get through it. And then you'll be able to stand before the Son of Man. So that's what Jesus says about the end times. And as we as we look at that, we can see that the coronavirus is not a sign of the end. If it were, there wouldn't, we wouldn't have to discuss it. It would be so obvious to everybody that it is, in fact, the end times. Jesus has said there won't be any ambiguity. There won't be any debate. It'll be clear to everybody when the end times come. So, how do we navigate the times we are in? Well, Jesus has told us that there's only one end times. But there's going to be lots of crises. That there's only the one end. But there's going to be crises for the, the past 2000 years and however long it is in the future until Jesus returns. There's going to be lots of crises. Jesus says that, that, um, that people who listen to him and build on his words are like a wise man who built his house on rock. Uh, the rains fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Jesus says, that's what's going to be going on, that the rains will come, the floods will come, 
but our house doesn't have to fall. The second thing we can take from this is that if the signs aren't clear, if it's kind of murky, is this the end times? Then it's not the end times. That if the signs aren't clear, then it's clearly not the end. Jesus says there will be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars. They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Jesus says if there's any debate, then there's no debate. It's not the end times. Another thing we can learn from this is that the time to lift our head is when the end comes. We don't have to be afraid about the end times. We don't have to worry and be anxious because that's actually the point when our redemption draws near. At that point, we can stand up and we can look up because our our redemption has come near. But the between times, between between the times that Jesus was talking about that were right at hand, the destruction of the temple, the persecution of the church, and the end, that's when we need to hunker down. The between times when we hunker down. Jesus says that those in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those inside the city must leave it, and those outside in the country must not enter the city. Jesus says, don't go looking for trouble. Don't, don't, don't invite a disaster into your life. He says, he says, it's okay to avoid these things. He says, uh, particularly if you're vulnerable, he says, woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing infants. Jesus understands that there's going to be trouble, but it hurts him to see us hurt. So Jesus says, avoid whatever you can. There's going to be some of it that's inevitable. And if you lose your life, I've got you covered on that. But I don't like to see it. So avoid it as much as you can. So during these between times, we do hunker down. And then lastly, we stay alert. The reason we stay alert is we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to, I mean, we might be anxious, but we don't have to, to try to dull our senses. We don't have to try to distract ourselves by, you know, watching Netflix until we finally fall asleep in front of the, the computer. We don't have to do that. We don't have to, to drug ourselves or, or drink ourselves until our anxiety goes away because instead by staying alert, we can pray to God who delights to give us the strength we need to withstand these in-between times so that we can stand when the Son of Man comes. So, that's what we do. We don't fear, we don't fear the end and we don't fear the middle because Jesus has us covered either way. And at the end, we will look up and in the meantime, we will hunker down. We'll be alert and we'll pray for help. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do Give us help to, to withstand these dark times, to, to withstand the crisis, whether it's the coronavirus today or, um, uh, financial troubles that may follow it, whether it's, uh, the financial troubles of the last decade or, or the 9-11 or whatever the crisis is that we, we can come to you for strength to get through the crisis, Lord. We thank you that, that you do not tell us we must seek out trouble, that we, we can hunker down. We can't avoid it as much as possible. And most of all, we thank you that when Jesus returns, we can stand up and look up because our redemption has come near. We give you thanks for all these things in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.